Welcome to the Unmachine Yourself podcast, a podcast about the future of leadership. My name is Rowan van Voorst. I'm an anthropologist of the future, and I'm the science advisor at Hatch, a platform that helps individuals and companies become future-proof. Together, Hatch and I, we make this series. Why? Because we see that the world is changing quickly. We face societal transformation. And the mayor players in this field, we believe, might well be CEOs, innovators, leaders, people in resourceful corporations, or perhaps radically new type of organizations. I want to understand how these people drive the change. I'm not talking greenwashing or pinkwashing. I'm talking actual radical new ways of working. I'm talking the future of work. In this podcast, I get to speak with the front runners of this moment. is a visionary, sustainable entrepreneur, speaker, and writer. He co-founded VZ Mortgage, the first financial organization in the world to implement Holacracy, which is a horizontal, self-governing, and self-managing organization. Well, you have to explain me everything about that later on. In Holacracy, the purpose or goal of the organization, that should be the leading factor and not the CEO or a manager. So Tom believes in a why of individuals and organizations, and the why then is the motivational engine that gives fulfillment in what we do. Today, we get to talk to him about his most interesting vision on the future of work and organizations. Welcome, Tom. Thank you very much. And it's, um, we're talking today over Zoom. You live in Zurich with your family, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And that is where the work is also. Uh, the work is actually in the Netherlands, uh, but everything is remote and uh, we're self-organizing, as you just explained. So I just have to take care of my own roles and that I can also do from Zurich. But normally I would fly now and then to Amsterdam. Yeah, I saw that indeed on, uh, I think your LinkedIn profile shows which days you are in Amsterdam. Yeah, email signature. Yeah. I have, to che- I have to take it out because since Corona, I have not been in Amsterdam. No, 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 no. Corona, I think, put everything in a different perspective for all organizations. Um, but before we go into VZ and into your vision on, on work, um, I would love to know a little bit just as icebreakers more about the past. Namely, when you grew up, um, did you know you want to have a mortgage company or was there another job in your children's mind that you wanted to do no not at all not at all i i didn't want to become an uh uh, let's say building a mortgage company that was i wouldn't say a coincidence but the starting point uh when i studied in the netherlands was that i wanted to become a diplomat but i'm not so diplomatic so uh, it's better that I have not become a diplomat. But when I studied in uh, in Leiden, I studied international law and politics and history. Uh, for for a long time, I thought, okay, I have to work on topics like world peace and bringing countries together and European integration. Um, but I think one of the main things you should be able to to deal with is um, yeah, being diplomatic. Uh, and for me, it's very difficult to defend a certain opinion I don't believe in myself. So at a certain point, somebody said to me, Tom, as I've known you until now, probably you should do something else. Yeah. So, and then and then, when in your life did you realize maybe I'm more of an entrepreneur then or of a leader? Um I think it, it it develops gradually in this kind of thing. So you you just start to do something, and then at a certain point you notice, okay, it 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 doesn't give you enough fulfillment, or you're struggling with topics. Uh, so uh, what I did after my studies is that that uh, I studied abroad, I studied in France, 
for instance, also political science at uh, Sciences Po, that's a school where, where also people, let's say, work for state afterwards or become diplomat or yeah. civil servant study. And then, and then uh, for instance, I did, a, I did a talk on a political subject and then they said, okay, thank you very much. Uh, for your for your talk, could you do next week uh, the same talk but with the uh, opposite conclusion? Um, so I thought hmm, perhaps I should do something else, and then I ended up in uh, in Berlin uh, studying at a free university, which was much more, uh, let's say, open. Uh, I found it uh, from an intellectual point more uh, interesting than the French system, um, and then I ended up by coincidence uh, becoming a consultant at McKinsey. So, uh, and that was also not planned. Uh, mm. and, and, and there I found out that I didn't like to tell others what to do, uh, but prefer to do it myself. Mm. Um, yeah, the so, and, then, and then I think there's a kind of reflection that, okay, you want to do it yourself. Uh, and, then, and then I became an independent financial planner, but also more let's say from a starting point that if I have my own responsibility and I, if I'm successful, I can just do what I want. It was a kind of, uh, let's say, self-structure in this company with a lot of, I would say, a lot of people who wanted to, to do their own stuff. And then in this bigger stock-listed company, uh, I, I was sent to the Netherlands because uh, I, I was the only foreign guy in this German company. Uh, and I was sent to, to Switzerland to, uh, to build up the company there. And then I had another struggle that I found out uh, that in this classical corporate career, I didn't want to present, let's say, this kind of typical slide share deck uh, every quarter because it's a stock listed company. Uh, and, and then at a certain point I thought, okay, it's, it's not my ambition to be on the board of a stock-listed company. I, I have to do something myself. But in the end, it was coincidence. So mm. we were uh, building up the company in the Netherlands, and then there was a change of leadership in the, in, in the German company. And then they decided to close down all the foreign subsidiaries. And then we're just sitting there and say, okay, what are we going to do now? Do I apply somewhere else for a job? Or shall we do it ourselves? And, uh, you know, when you, when you die, dove into this and, and you started doing things yourself, now if I look at the website of Visi, and we'll talk about this more, but um, the company won some prizes for um, being one of the best places where people can work or the best place where people can work for companies under 50, right? Under 50 yep. employees. Did you, when you dove in, did you already have a vision very particular about how you wanted to lead a company or was it something that evolved or that you had to learn throughout? I would, I would say we had, a, we had a kind of understanding how we wanted to build the company. So it's not coincident that the company is called Visi, mm -hmm. which is the Dutch word for vision. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't put, let's say, Morris advice on the company or financial planning or the names of the founder. So we all, already from the starting point, we had a vision to do it in a different way. So we wanted to change this financial industry. We're not perhaps that clear as it has become now after 10 years, but that's something what we wanted to do, we wanted to change something. And then the other thing was that, let's say, if you work for a stock listed company, it's very much focused on quarter to quarter. And we were more in for the long run. So that was an aspect, um, but just a reaction on, on how, how we had to work in the past. Um, but it also was a situation that a lot of people who start companies, um, they, want, they don't want to be micromanaged. Mm -hmm. So we said when we were, let's say, more or less 10 people, we said, okay, do we also start to micromanage other people? Or do we still realize that the reason we wanted to become entrepreneurs was that we didn't want to be micromanaged? So, and if that's the case, why should we micromanage? other people if we didn't like it ourselves to be micromanaged and then and then i think it's a perhaps a good time to for you to explain a bit if you don't mind because i was just reading your bio and it says a horizontal self-governing self-managing organization now 
Can you give us a little insight about what that means in practice? Yeah, that means that means in the end that let's say you have decentralized decision making and that and that you just let people do their jobs, let them do their job and you don't micromanage and, and walk around and, and, and going into the details of of somebody else's job. Um, and then, I mean, holacracy is just one way of organizing this, but in the end, it is about decentralized decision-making. That, just take one example, if you have a team, mm -hmm. that those people decide themselves how they do the work together, or uh, decide themselves uh, who they want to hire, um, uh, that's that's the main principle. And so, are there situations where you feel no? These are the decisions that we take as leaders, um, or is it really democratic in the sense that everybody has a say in everything? No, I mean there is still a hierarchy. So if you would decide to to define hierarchy, it's a kind of how how do you order things, or what's the structure of it? So there are still levels. Mm -hmm. and, and in our model, you always have, let's say, from every team, two people, the one who is in charge of, of let's say, the, the, the coordination of the team. And then you have a kind of representative and, and mm -hmm. two people go to another level and their discussions, which are relevant between those teams, are discussed. So you still have different levels, mm -hmm. but the how of the work is decided in a decentralized way. Mm -hmm. But if you if you discuss, for instance, about uh, strategic stuff or about resources or working together between teams, then you have to speak, let's say, with other teams. Yeah, yeah. And if you say um, that the boss should not be the steering factor, it should be about the purpose of the company. How, how does that work then in taking decisions or making a strategy? that you always reconsider, is this the goal again of the company? Or, and, and do you then have people that speak against you if you would disagree and they say, no, don't think about the purpose of the company. How, how does that work in practice? I think that, uh, let's say, start with the purpose is the more natural thing. Hmm. So let's say to start with the profits, that's the unnatural thing. Uh, and that's what you also see in all other parts of life. So I always, because I have this institutional background, eh? I'm a historian, I studied pol political science kind of things. But if you compare it, for instance, with the way our state is built, then everybody understands this decentralized way of decision making. So yeah. if you if you have just things which are decided in the city on the local level, you have things are which are decided, let's say, on the on the on the on the level of the province. And if you discuss about foreign policy or other stuff. You discuss it in the parliament on a, on a, on a national level, yeah. And 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 that's more or less what's what's that's more or less the same structure. And if you talk about the purpose of the company, then in our case, is it that let's say the slogan is to change finance. So mm. we want to to change this industry, but the starting point is from a very practical ways. We want to give the best advice in this mortgage environment, and then mm. you can still measure this and say, okay, on trust pilot we have 4.9 out of five. So that's, and that's something which is very practical, but yeah. the purpose is then to give better advice, to be more long-term oriented, to uh, think more about sustainable uh, economy. That is whole circular way of thinking. Um, so there it's very practical, but it's the purpose is still uh, the central starting point. And the purpose is not, we want to, uh, have an increase of our revenue of 25%. That's not the purpose. Mm -hmm. No. Um, and if you say we wanted to change the financial world, yes. And you also apparently wanted to create a different working culture where apparently trust is a big thing because you just give people a jo job and responsibility and then they do it in their own team. So no yep. micromanagement. Yeah. Yeah, and that's also something which, let's say, we always start with scientific research. Mm -hmm. That's always a starting point. So nowadays, there's a lot of discussion going on about psychological safety. Uh, there's this Aristotle project, which is done by Google. Yeah. And they wanted to know uh, yeah, which teams have the highest performance. 
and then they found out that if you have psychological safety or kind of security of being able to say each other uh let's say what what you're thinking about or you're showing your vulnerability etc then you have a much higher performance which is let's say from an from an yeah common sense point of view very understandable so if you if you can just share together in a team in 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 an environment which is secure how shall we solve this i'm not quite sure and if you can discuss this and then search together for the biggest or the best solution everybody understands this and then you have a salary aspect on on that so we also know that bonuses for instance are counterproductive Mm. and there's a lot of research done on that so i would say starting with the purpose creating a trustful environment these are the normal things we deal with in all aspects of society that's also what you do in your family so if you give feedback each other in a relationship or with your children you do this immediately and there's there's no bonus attached or it's it's so it's the way we act in 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 the companies in a way is very unnatural yeah that's very interesting and i think at hatch we we do a lot with with courage and with vulnerability and we have a program about that um called muscle up your courage but we do notice that in many companies it's not normal to discuss things openly and say hey I'm really not sure how to solve this or it kind of, you know, I tried it, but it didn't work out. People are much more used still to celebrating successes together, which is also nice, but then it may appear for some of the people working there as if nobody ever fails while perhaps you need to fail sometimes, or at least try new things in order to finally have that one success. Right. So it's, I, I, I agree that it's normal and it's natural, but it's not institutionalized everywhere, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's correct. And that's especially in times of crisis. Uh, it's, let's say you see that, that um, security and trust also in society plays a huge role. So if yeah. there is, is a lot of distrust or if there is a lot of insecurity, uh, and there's a lot of fear. I just take as an extreme example what's happening in the US, people yeah. buying weapons and this kind of stuff. That's that are symptoms that there is a lot of distrust and a lot of fear. And then in other parts of the world, there's enormous, let's say, security. Uh, also, this, the role of the state is much stronger uh, because they pay the salaries and they support the economy, etc. And 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 you create an enormous a uh, trustful environment or at least a, a, a much better environment and we also know that if there's a lot of fear you lose an enormous amount of productivity yeah but if, how does that because for example then you don't want to work in a company where you might fear being fired you know so you, you want to have a feeling that even if it doesn't go super well with the company. There's still a little bit of buffer, or even if I don't uh, perhaps succeed every day at my best, but I'm really trying my best, they don't get rid of me instantly. So how do you, what did you do in your company to give people that safe feeling then in order to make them more productive also? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I can, I can explain this. Um, but the starting point also would be uh, to to say that there's a lot of research done on that. Mm. Also, uh, after the last uh, crisis, uh, 10 years ago, the financial crisis. Yeah. And, 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 and nowadays there more or less is a very classical step-by-step approach. So the first thing is that you have to be transparent. So it's better to know the bad news or to know the bad situation because then you have your capacity uh, or your, your common capacity again uh, and you can you can totally focus on, on, on brainstorming about the possible solutions. But if you, if you don't know what's really the case or how much money you have, so first you have to create uh, absolute openness about the situation uh, to deal with that. And then you, you could say, okay, the starting point is we want to uh, avoid layoffs. That doesn't mean that you will be able to avoid them, but at least that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then you try to find out 
let's say in diff different scenarios uh, how much money do you have and how many months are you able to pay the salaries or or what kind of let's say uh, elasticity or what what kind of, of different scenarios there are if we lose half of our revenues how, how many months do we have or if we have to for instance lay off 25% of the people is there a possibility if we all work 25% less that we can keep uh, everybody on board uh, or if you even go a step further by asking on a decentralized level uh, if we would have to lay off 25% of the people, are there people in teams who can even work less mm -hmm. because they have uh, enough money or they have partners with a lot of, let's say with very good salaries. And then and then you come to, to much more intelligent solutions. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's, I would say in general, the continental European approach. So yeah. that, that the state supports and tries to to uh, to fill this gap and give support to to pay the salaries. That means that everybody can stay in those companies. Um, and you also can can think in the company about innovation or about about solutions. Because if you, for instance, lose, if you would lay off twenty five percent of your workforce, this this seventy five percent of the people who stay in the company they have to do a lot of work. Which, which probably means that there is even less uh, uh, possibility of finding new solutions. Yeah, I, I once heard um, kind of a similar story, but the opposite, opposite side of the spectrum where um, one of the leaders had tried before to keep problems away from his personal. And so he wouldn't really share and he would only share successes and then Instead, he tried at some point to be open, to be transparent and say, hey, it wasn't too good. We're really struggling with the numbers this year. And he asked his people, his team to help him to think about solutions. And people themselves then said, we don't mind working a little extra hours against the same salary if it's for a short period, because we feel that that is needed to get over the tipping yep. point. And it did, and they felt, proud, I guess, and loyal to the company, but it was also kind of almost team building. So it was really an eye opening for them. Yeah, and that's also a discussion which is going on now. Um, so what you in general can see is that the more companies have self-organizing structures or decentralized structures and people feel responsible for their own roles. Uh, we call them roles, but the roles is just uh, let's say the sum, sum of roles would be uh, the old fashioned way of functions. Uh, but if people know exactly where they're responsible for, uh, they will just go on and do the job. And, and, and if they know uh, what the problems are, they, they, you have to, this kind of common intelligence. Uh, we also know that the intelligence of the group is higher than the intelligence of the individual and people will come up with solutions. So. Yeah. In our company, productivity went up during the corona crisis, didn't go down. And that's really interesting because that would be my next question, because I think early in the, in the interview, you said, um, well, we do everything remote now, uh, mm -hmm. or you're working remote now for, for a longer part. What, how, how does your company treat that working at home? working not in the office? Uh, how do you then stay a team? Do you have any advice or experiences on that? Yeah, the, the first thing is that we were, uh, when the lockdown came uh, after 24 hours, we were remote. Wow. So, so, but that has to do with the structure. So, yeah. so because everybody has, let's say small, is working together in small teams um, and everybody knows exactly what to do. It doesn't matter. Uh, where you're sitting. So in the past, we already had situation where let's say people were in the office mm -hmm. and then we had our meetings and other people were just joining via Zoom call. Yeah. And then suddenly nobody was in the office and everybody was joining in a Zoom call. So there was from that way, the structure uh, uh, didn't change. What, what, is, what is the negative aspect of it, which everybody let's say now uh, has to deal with is that at a certain after a certain period of time, people are going to miss this informal 
uh, interaction. Yeah. And this, uh, this, this, this not so focused on, on the work topics uh, conversations. And because now it's, it's Zoom all day yeah. and people are going from one, one meeting to the next one, although I'm, I don't have Zoom calls all day. So I have perhaps two Zoom calls in general, let's say with, with let's say in teams where I'm part of, that's it. And then, and then for the rest of the time, I'm able to work on my own responsibilities or on my own topics, which I like personally, but it really depends on what, what type of person you are. So I would say half of the company is really struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and, and let's say the other half, for instance, if you have children, like I have very small children, and, and, and my wife also works 100%, I actually like this way of working. Yeah. Uh, but, if, but, but other people just, they say, okay, I would like, really would like to go back to, uh, to the office and meet people, et cetera. And especially for instance, if you're single or uh, yeah. then, 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 and you are alone and you live alone, then yeah, after let's say half a year, uh, you're really missing uh, your colleagues. Yeah, and I've heard that for many managers or leaders, it's it's sometimes a bit of investing more time even in your people because you perhaps want to have one-on-ones with people to double check how they're doing. While before you could also see it, you could you could sense people's energy just by seeing them at the coffee machine or whatnot. And now you kind of have to see like, hmm, you were a bit silent during the meeting. Maybe you're not doing so well. Do you? Do you do anything to support the people who struggle or who you believe might be struggling? Yeah, there are two um, two things we do. On the one hand, it's 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 in the teams very horizontal. So also, for instance, the one who is in charge, which is called lead link in holacracy, the kind of coordination role. Uh, this is also the one who, let's say, from 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 the kind of natural. Uh, starting point uh, will probably feel responsible for his his or her people mm-hmm. uh, and on the other hand we have uh, in our it's called people first normally you would would call it your hr department we have what we call people coaches mm-hmm. and 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 there it goes in two directions so on the one hand people are able just to say um, i have a problem or for instance, today we had somebody and in, in, in Slack said, okay, my mother has Corona. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then somebody will reach out to, to these colleagues and say, oh, can we talk about it? Or we do it the other way around. Like you just said, mm, we have the impression somebody's a little bit quiet or somebody's a little bit, we didn't hear that much about that person in that team. And then, and then we do the other way around and say, okay, Royana, how are you doing? Yeah. So, but it's still... It's still, we just really think in the end that uh, people are just not made for remote uh, working uh, 100%. So y- you had in the beginning, these companies who work 100% remotely. Mm-hmm. I, we don't believe in that. So we're, we believe in local offices. So that's what we also made in the past that we said, okay, people like to spend, let's say half of the week at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and half of the week they want to go into an office which is nearby. So we had we have said, for instance, let's try in our new structure because we already had a lot of decentralized offices. Let's just try that everybody can go by foot or by bike to the office, and 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 we are nearly 50 people now. So and then people can even decide together where they want to rent an office. So mm. we just say okay. If we have just a certain amount of euros per person, people can just come together and rent an office somewhere. Uh, but we don't believe that people um, are are made for working 100% remotely. No, that's interesting. And and apparently you don't go for the one glamorous, beautiful office, but rather for the localized, smaller offices. But yeah. it's nice so people can go there by uh, by by bike in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's also let's say if you have, if you have we're 50 now. If you would have let's say, I mean we have still our head office in Amsterdam, which is really big. But um, if you would have in the end let's say 10 offices of 10 10 times five people, then it's still something which is very very familiar, yeah. and then you and you can still do so. So you meet in in your local office with the people who live in the same neighborhood or in the same city, mm-hmm. and you can still be part of of a team 
which meets remotely on Zoom and, and, and let's say credit department or advisors, etc. cetera. Uh, and then you can still say, shall we meet once a week or every second week at the head office to see each other from different yeah. cities. Yeah, so that you do maintain that larger workflow. Yeah. 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 And, but, but, but something which is also really, really important, which is, I find not stressed enough is that uh, we are very long-term oriented. So if somebody starts at our company, we don't want to lose somebody. So, mm -hmm. so for instance, we didn't lose anybody this year until now. And then you could say, okay, that's because of Corona. So nobody wants to leave because it's very difficult to get a job at another company. But, but our whole, let's say culture or also our salaries, et cetera, everything is focused on not, not, not losing anybody. So there are fixed salary increases every year. Uh, there's no link to performance. So we really say the more people stay in the company, the easier it, is, it, already is, also, it also is to, to feel connected to each other. Yeah, because you know each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know my co-founder since 2002. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in HR team. Uh, I, I work together with one colleague of mine as may also more than 10 years with the other one mark peter since five years so so it's it's on the one hand you can say it's very dull it's a little bit like like uh, uh, working at a university or at a state where where people just stay for a long time but it creates an enormous rest and an enormous routine um and 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 then because i i'm working since years with with those two colleagues uh, it, it takes much longer that we say, okay, now we really have to see each other live uh, because we know each other since ages. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's a difference between people being stuck somewhere and not allowing any new talents to come in or people being somewhere while still developing. And there's also still room for yeah. new talents that may come in, you know, that can still put a fresh perspective on, on a company. Yeah. yeah, that's what we have. So we have on the, on the one hand, we have, especially on the what we call the back office a very experienced people so our credit department everybody who joined us had more than 10 years work experience and on the advisor side we have what we call homegrown uh, people more or less come directly from university or have one two three years of working experience and there there we have a lot of young people who uh, yeah just grown uh, grow up in, in in our environment and then stay together but let's say the people they start with, they are still there five years later. So there's a kind, kind of familiar atmosphere. Uh, uh, but let's say if, if you just take the other way around, if you would lose 30% every year, you have to do with an enormous amount of new people. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's much more difficult to get a certain routine. And especially if you grow a company. So, I mean, we, we, still, we still have to manage our growth. So if we want to hire next year, uh, and we are speeding up now, if we would, let's say, hire 25 people on, on and we, we are 50 now, that's an enormous effort. Uh, so, so we really don't want to lose somebody from the 50 existing colleagues, because if we would lose also one third or, or let's say one quarter, uh, we have to hire, let's say 10 or 15 people more. I mean, we are already busy onboarding uh, those new colleagues yeah and, and you're mentioning one reason uh, namely it's more you know people have their habits they're quick they know the company they know what to do so that's good for the company also but you also in an article that I'm now reminded of you say you're critical about the fact that during the coronavirus many companies were laying off large numbers of their personal and you say it's inhumane one to do that yeah. but it's also and that i found interesting as well it's also bad for your business you say it will harm your company if you constantly just lay people off because companies that treat their people best in bad times emerged as winners in the past so apparently you know yeah. something that i'm interested in namely if you treat your people well during difficult times this will have a good effect in the long run is that what you believe in yeah, but it's also something which in normal life everybody understands. So yeah. if you are, if you live if you have friends, and 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 if you're really in a difficult situation, you want to call them and you want them to be there for you. But if you if you are let's say if you 
I don't know, something happened in your life, a bad situation, and then you call your friend and somebody says, no, I don't have time for you. Yeah. I just read today that Heineken is thinking about laying off people. Yeah? So, I mean, one of the richest families of the Netherlands, uh, uh, billionaires, uh, uh, multiple times and not able to, 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 let's say, support those people who, 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 who are the reason that they became so wealthy. Yeah. And that's something, so people have an enormous uh, 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 normal feeling of uh, how do you treat me wh when, when, when I have problems? Uh, so why would I be there for you then afterwards? So I think that a lot of companies, and there's also something which research shows, and you have it in, in, in two ways or in two directions. If somebody is there for you in difficult times, you will also be there for your friend when it's the other way around. Yeah, it will be... And, mutual loyalty yeah. basically yeah it's very normal so and it is in a family it's with your uh, brothers and sisters with yeah. doesn't matter so and and let's say if you are not treated well for instance at the moment then i think that a lot of companies they will pay the bills afterwards because those people in in other times i mean they, they will not quit now so, but they will just they will just say okay in difficult times that's the way i'm treated uh, but I was not laid off, but my colleagues, and mm -hmm. they they will just they will just reflect on that. And yeah. if they have the possibility of going, uh, let's say, of leaving uh, when they are in a strong situation, they will do. And I guess it loops back to what we begin with, namely that feeling of being vulnerable or even afraid if you work in a company and you don't really trust the leadership because you've seen around you that people are being laid off or that if things go rough then you know suddenly you're in trouble then it might make you less enthusiastic even less productive for that company right yeah and there's also some uh, there's a lot of brain uh, research done on that so if you are if you are really scared it's a little bit like the like the rabbit in front of the snake uh, you, you're not moving at all. You're only waiting for, uh, for the bite, so to say. And that's also something which happens uh, uh, as a human being. So if you are afraid or if you see that your colleague is treated in a bad way, it, it has an enormous effect on your productivity because you say, okay, will I be the next one? And then, and then, and, and then, you're, you're, then you're the rabbit in front of the snake and the rabbit is your screen. Uh, and you're you're perhaps watching your emails, but but you're not productive. You're because you're 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 in a kind of yeah. And that's and that's and that's and that, and that's the the pre uh, I called that's the part of the brain, which is the oldest eh? stem I don't stem cellen. Yeah. I don't know the word in English, but it's let's say it's the, like the old reptile, part. The reptile part. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the reptile brain. Yeah. So and then you have two possibilities. It's like it's like fighting, or it's like hey, you want to flee. Or something, or you're you're just sitting there, just waiting for the bite, and that and that's something. But you want you want to work with the other part of the brain. You want yeah. to think about scenarios. You want to think about innovation, etc. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if you are, let's say, if you have a restaurant, etc., or in you're working in the event uh, business, it's very very difficult. So I'm not talking about that. It's that you always can avoid it, but it should be the last thing you do and we also said for instance i mean we are let's say four owners and and we also had situations in the past when we grew the business that we had difficult times where where we paid the salaries of our people and 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 had to put money into the company and we didn't pay our own salaries and people always have known this mm. and, and at the beginning of the crisis we said exactly the same and then we said okay we are willing as shareholders to put money into the company but we also never had, let's say, this kind of what, what you call in those flexible skills. So this flexible surrounding around your company. So we always had everybody on our own, uh, in our own salary schemes. We only had two sets of payers, eh? free uh, people. Freelancers, or, yeah. freelancers. We had two freelancers, one, one, one podcaster or filmer and one, one colleague who is, uh, who is our kind of creative director. But we also said, we're securing your job and it was the beginning and nobody knew how it how 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 let's say the whole crisis would uh would develop so it was you could say it was at that moment was a brave decision but it's not about we we, we, we didn't say 
that 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 uh, layoffs is 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 not not something which which is possible, but you should be transparent and try to avoid it as long as possible. Yeah, and I guess you know if if we're being realistic, this um, pandemic might not be the last one. You know, the, the world is changing; things are becoming more insecure, perhaps for a lot of people. Um, so what, what do you take from that if you would give a tip for leaders or companies who want to become more future-proof or who, who want to make sure that they continue to thrive, then would that be one of the tips? Like make sure that you protect your people, that you create this feeling of trust and have the transparency? Yeah, that's, let's say on the one hand, uh, we always had this transparency. And then that also helps in difficult times. Yeah. yeah but exactly. if you it, but if you would say zoom out, it's interesting that if you talk about entrepreneurship, it's only about the good times all the time. Mm. Although, and then and then, for instance, in in one of those interviews, I went back to the Bible and I said, okay, you have these seven seven great years and seven difficult years. So entrepreneurship always should be 50% of the time about the crisis, because it's just it's that's the next phase. So you should be prepared. Uh, for that and 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 that means in the end you have to go back to a different kind of 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 uh, leadership if you would frame it like that or a different way of building companies so we said for instance okay now we are we are pretty small we only have one percent market share which is in uh, still one billion uh, mortgage volume so it's not that small no. but we are as we as it is only one percent of the of the market probably will will be able to get through this crisis mm -hmm. but let's say if in 10 years time the next crisis will be there we should have enough money in the company just to survive that crisis so we for instance said okay let's try to build up liquidity of let's say one year uh, instead of taking out the the the, the revenues or the uh, uh, or, or the money, which is which nowadays has become very normal. So on the one hand, you try to take everything out of the company, and then you have a very small liquidity buffer, and then and then you say, no, I can't pay. Uh, booking is the most extreme example. Mm -hmm. So you have billions of 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 profits. You take them all out of the company, and then and then and then you say, no, no, we have a huge problem. We have to lay off, and that's what what today happened with Heineken. I mean, how, how do they own more than 10 billion? So I would say the old, and that's the normal model. So the normal model is you have, an, you have a, a, a business and somebody has made profits in the past and then you can have the profits in the company or you can have the profits on your own account. And then the obligation of the company or the owners is to put money back into the company mm -hmm. to save the people. And then if you just take the research, Everybody knows that also you have this kind of anti-cyclo or anti-cyclo uh, opportunity because if if your competitors don't have this liquidity buffer and they don't survive, then you have a huge possibility of getting your market share. Yeah. So, so if you are long-term oriented, uh, you probably have a, 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 a much bigger chance of of getting of gaining more market share. Uh, in in difficult times than and then in the good times. So, for instance, for us, this times of crisis is an excellent situation to hire more people. We normally perhaps don't get because we're not sexy enough, or uh, people want to work for a very very fancy uh, Amsterdam startup, so to say. And what if because we're now talking about a company that you know has even if it's only one percent has a market share, etc. But what if you would be one of the these startups and you're only starting and you're listening to this podcast and you think, huh, I would really like to have that working culture where people feel safe or where you can also share things that are a bit more vulnerable. How do you make sure that people do that on the work floor? Do you as a leader, for example, give the good example? Do you share your own concerns or the things that didn't go so well with people? Are you transparent like that? Yeah, I think we are. But I think it's it's much more about the structure. So mm -hmm. there's always a lot of uh, let's say articles and podcasts on servant leadership, etc. But I think it's not about leader. It's not about the leader. It's mm -hmm. about leadership, and everybody should be a leader and nobody the boss. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the principle. And then and then by for instance building decentralized structures, like you have in state, you decide 
what topics are are let's say the the accountability in the city which are the topics which are decided on the province and which are the the the, the topics are decided in, in in parliament like you have in the state and you do exactly the same in your company then you try to build your salary model uh, on that you try to split your this way of of, of performance and, and and salaries which are uh, counterproductive uh, and, and, and then by building those structures, you create a kind of safe structure where people behave in a normal way. They also behave at home or with friends. So yeah. that's why I always come back to what's normal and what's not normal. So I think we behave normal in the company like yeah. we behave at home. And if, if we, let's say, have something we want to talk about because... I don't know. It's not our day to day. Then you can check in and say it's not our day to day. Or if you, if you doubt about a certain decision, you say, Rowan, I'm not quite sure if I shall do this in this way or in that way. What's your opinion? Yeah. And then you together you you find a better solution. And that's the normal way. The normal way is not to say I think that I'm I'm brilliant and I always take the best decision, uh, because we know that's not the case. And together. As a team, uh, you are more intelligent than you as an individual. So yeah. that's the normal way. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess sometimes we tend to forget that if we talk about having a company, leading a company, entrepreneurship, it's still about people. It's still about human relationships in the end, right? Yeah. Did so, I, did I for, forget to ask you something that you think we should know if we talk about the future of work or the future of leadership? Um, I think that um, one aspect uh, which also plays a role is also the client side. So what you just see is, and that's something which you see, see in the times of crisis, that people are very, have a very good uh, sense of uh, which companies behave in, 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 let's say, correct way and, 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 and other companies don't. Booking is a very good example. So if you would have discussed booking, let's say, last year, you would have another discussion which is going on now. But I hope in future that that not only, let's say, as, as um, employees working somewhere, probably we can we can do much more by 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 just taking our own decision where do I want to work in what kind of environment, but also as as if we buy stuff. So you see, for instance, that people are much more going back to to buying, let's say, in their neighborhoods. So I thought, for instance, now everybody is, is buying his books online. And then I saw statistics uh, in the Netherlands that, that let's say people are, are kind of re-develop re, um, uh, relationships in their neighborhoods and say, okay, I have to support this grocery shop on the, on the, on the corner of the street. Yeah, that's what I've heard about local restaurants as well, right? Hashtag support your locals, where people go and, and say, hey, let's try out this little restaurant because they're probably struggling. So let's just do takeaway yeah. there. And, uh, and, and so I hope in the end that this crisis is also a chance yeah. of, of something which is much bigger. So, so this crisis is a chance to reflect for yourself, on your company, on your job. Uh, but also on your on your way of, of behaving as a, as a consumer yeah. and, 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 and and then probably we have a much more power to 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 change something than by saying that now I, it's not in my circle of influence yeah and as a last practical question perhaps for people who have heard that concept a couple of times again holacracy I mean VZ was the first financial organization in the world to implement it but if other companies would like to learn more about it or understand, would you have a tip where they can start? Yeah, I would just Google uh, because let's say the, the uh, holacracy in the end is a Dutch invention. So it's, it's, yeah. it com it's come from uh, sociocracy. Uh, Endenburg, who was an entrepreneur in uh, Rotterdam. And, and it's a kind of, in the end, it's a kind of polar model. So it's this decentralized way of decision making. So if you just start by Googling, Mm -hmm. And then, and then, and then, depending on on let's say in which industry you work, you, you will find. But also, Buurtzorg is a very good example of decentralized decision making. Yeah, which is also a Dutch thing, yeah. but it's um, care for yeah. people in their houses, right? Uh, yeah. For people in neighborhoods, and then in a 
very decentralized way. So I'm sure there are English articles about that as well, because it has gotten a lot of media attention, but that might be nice for inspiration. Yeah, that's a good one. But also Ball. So if people are more into, let's say, this whole online environment and Ball.com, is uh, is 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 it? Uh, yeah, they implemented uh, their their way of uh, holacracy. So there are in the Netherlands there are is enormous amount of organizations. Yeah. So I I would just say Google and then depending on on in what field you are active, uh, try to find in this combination exactly perhaps a company which is pretty familiar to what you are doing, and then just reach out to them. I mean we also have a lot of people who reach out to us. But yeah. also all the all the banks visited us, visited us. But also, for instance, ING is also doing uh, uh, very well with their whole agile way of implementing their Spotify model with the tribes, which is also a kind of decentralized organization. Yeah, so there's plenty of inspiration and, and experiential uh, inspiration also to get from. So that's that's handy nowadays, right? That you can just use the World Wide Web to kind of find what might work for you also. Yeah, and if people want to have uh, book tips, you have uh, one Dutch book of uh, Diederik Janssen, mm -hmm. um, which is which is one, one he was one of the first people who started to um, to implement holacracy in the Netherlands. Um, and, uh, and you can take, for instance, uh, the, the book of uh, Frederik Laloux, Reinventing Organizations, which is a more broader international overview or the third tip I would have is Corporate Rebels, which is a platform of two Dutch guys. And they have a lot of articles um, about, about yeah, reinventing work or, or rebuilding uh, our the, the, this type of organizations. Yeah, thank you. That's really wonderful. So um, we'll note down the tips in the show notes. I think that might be nice for people. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah. Thank over you very much. With microphones and well. Um, it was really nice talking to you and I hope we, um, we meet again when you're back in Amsterdam, safe and well. We will. All right. And for all the listeners or viewers, thank you very much for listening or viewing. If you found this story as, as, as inspiring as I thought it was, then please do share this episode. It makes it much more easy for people to find this episode online. Uh, we're also doing very happy little dances if you could give us a nice review in your iTunes app because that really helps to make um, it easier for other people to find the podcast again. See you soon. Bye.